From Hollywood, it's time now for Bob Bailey as... Johnny Dollar. Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd, and Charlie's special guest, Orson Welles. Wake up, America, and stop the experts. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to our show of shows, a podcast about old-time radio. I'm Dan Howland, and I'm joined for the third time in a row by my pal Tom Higgins. Hi, Tom. Hi, Hoodley, Dan. Hi. We are in the same room for a change. Actually, we are. We generally record this with me in Oregon and Tom in Colorado, but I am in Colorado for family stuff, and so we get to actually sit around one microphone instead of fighting hums and things. Internet lag and... All those fun <laughs> technical glitches. The, the so, shizzle is all, as the kids would say today. Well, every episode we choose an old-time radio series and we talk about its history, performers and importance and legacy, and we try to figure out how it works. And this time, our topic is a show called Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And Tom has done all the research on this one. I only know one era of this show, but we'll get into that in a little bit. And as we'll find out, you actually know the good era. Yeah, that's what I... We'll call that the good era. The, and the other errors are fine to Midland to, you know, on a train to Poopsville. But yeah, you were saying there's a, at least one actor that you just wonder if he's actually still alive while he's recording. I do think there was one passing of human life during the recording of the show, yes. <laughs> it did seem that way. Um, well, tell me about Johnny Dollar... Just in general, because I only really know that period in the 50s. Yeah, but everyone... It went on much before that. Everyone knows the Bob Bailey era, which we'll get to in a bit. But Johnny Dollar originally started, um, and it started kind of late, um, as a detective show. Um, Dick Powell originally auditioned for it, and it was originally called... Uh, yours truly, Lloyd London. And it was still insurance was the, the gimmick. It was it, still, it? that was the gimmick. That was the thing that was going to set them apart. On he's, he's an insurance investigator, we he, should say right from the outset. So Johnny Dollar is the... Um, he's the man with the action-packed expense, expense account. account. Yeah, yes. that the expense account from the very beginning was the MacGuffin. It's a brilliant uh, thing because it allows the usual hard-boiled detective narration usually doesn't have a reason to exist. But in yours truly, Johnny Dollar, he's writing his expense account report, and he ties that in with a narrative. It, it is the way of keeping track of time, keeping track of incidences. And it started off, like all things Johnny Dollar, it started off as a throwaway type of thing. Yeah. It was just the fact that he would toss dollar coins, silver dollars, at like you know the so, guy checking him in. There you go, so buddy. corny. Yeah, it was it, Johnny Dollar at first. So by the time Dick Powell auditioned, before he even auditioned, they changed the name from Lloyd London to Johnny Dollar mm -hmm. because they wanted to play up the tipping aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But Dick Powell gave the you know standard detective performance. He was the rough and tumble guy with the wisecrack, and you know. Well, I'm not sure if he had already started this because he was originally uh, Dick Powell was in a lot of those musicals, those 1930s musicals, yep. Ruby Keeler and all that sort of thing, and he was always the uh, upbeat, uh, kind of a dork. Uh, character and he was eager the actor was eager to change his yeah because he was getting too way too old for those roles he was and so he went agent. over into film noir yep and to doing this kind of character so and this was right up that alley and he read it right from the noir playbook 
Right. It was a dark and stormy night. He didn't take the job. He auditioned for it. They liked him. He didn't take it. He turned it down. They got a fellow named Charles Russell, who mm-hmm. was fairly well known for playing, you know, wisecracking detective parts. Okay. And for the first couple of years, Johnny Dollar is the wisecracking insurance investigator mm-hmm. who tips people, and the expense account becomes the tool by which he brings you through the story. Right, the narrative, yeah. And the narrative was always, um, here's the job I'm going to work, here's where I'm going to go. It was like a travelogue. In the, early, in the early years, did it, all, did it start with a phone call like it did in the later? So right now, we are wow. going to play the original opening. Oh, okay. system presents a thrilling new adventure series starring Dick Powell. I'm an insurance investigator. My name is Johnny Dollar. What? You heard me, Johnny Dollar, and I can pad an expense account with the best of them. So, as you can hear, a lot of orchestral music. It was that you know, radio still had a budget back then, so you got a full-blown orchestra, mm-hmm. you got the schmaltz going, it was beautiful, it was, you know... Big production. Big production, you were ready for a story. Okay. Um, that changes. Yes. <laughs> as we'll hear. Um, because, like I said, this started really in the late 40s, early 50s. And while radio wasn't out yet, it was beginning to... Peter out. It was fizzling away. a little, yeah. So Charles Russell and Edmund O'Brien and even John Lund, these were the three, the first three Doctor Who's of Johnny Dollar. <laughs> yeah. um, the first incarnations, of, they, they played it pretty much as a legit detective mm-hmm. with the expense accounts being the story plot device mm-hmm. and a lot of traveling. They say big game hunting is a sport only for the wealthy. Well, it didn't cost me much, except almost my life. And... It went on its merry way. It died at uh, at the end of uh, fifty four September oh, fifty four. Oh, okay. It ended. It died. Johnny Dollar is known in the radio community as the 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 guy with nine, the show with nine lives oh, okay. because Johnny Dollar the originally auditioned um, the original audition show sat for a while because he declined it and then it came back as a series mm-hmm. and it ran for the three. Um, original guys, and it's it the died. Show, it's the show they couldn't kill. It's the show that not only they couldn't kill, they had to kill old-time radio to kill Johnny Dollar, but we'll right. get to that at okay. the end. So those first three guys, that ended in 1954, 1954. And, then, and then what What happened then? So then we had Gerald Moore. Okay. Um, he picked it up, did an audition, they liked what they heard. He had been doing Philip Marlowe stuff, and the, you know, the Adventures of Philip Marlowe, Oh right, okay, yeah, he's accomplished actor. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was one of the good guys. And, but even then, he still did it as a straight-up detective. Come October of 1955, enter into the scene two very important things for Johnny Dollar. Mm-hmm. The first, Jack Johnstone, who was kind of a writer, but he took the directing lead at right. this point. So he was a sh- he was like a showrunner for this. He was yeah. kind of a show. He became the man, and mm-hmm. he stayed the man for the rest of the run of the show. Even when the show moved to New York, mm-hmm. he stayed on the West Coast and wrote for it. He stopped directing it, but okay. for the really which didn't happen till later, but. which didn't happen till later. But for the for the times that people think of Johnny Dollar as being the great show that they remember, which was you've got it here, October October fifty five to like November sixty. When it moved to New York, it just 
declined. But the prime period that everyone thinks of when they think of Johnny Dollar is the Bob ba- Bob Bailey era when he's playing Johnny Dollar, and it's from 1955 to 1960. Yeah, and so it's a pretty short. Well, that's fairly long. That's, it's that's a, a five-year run. Five-year run, but it, in that five years, some very interesting things happened. Yes. So first, a little bit about Bob Bailey. Right. Bob Bailey was born into showbiz. He was, from very early on, he was on stage and screen. He did a couple of early Laurel and Hardy films. He was in Jitterbugs, was one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. He was in a handful of moderately good wartime movies. He was on radio for most of his life, most of his adult life. He played bit parts. I mean, back then, radio was a profession. You could be a radio performer. Right, and yeah. Like in England still today. You a can, lot of the actors that I hear on Gunsmoke, which we'll talk about next time, Yeah, that you'll hear, they'll turn up on TV, but they're never really in leading roles. Yeah. But on the radio, they would always get these leading roles. A, a so. lot of these guys had a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bob Bailey, unfortunately, was. And a, we've got faces for podcasts. We have. We have. We have the physique for podcasting. Yes. Right. Okay. Bob Bailey was um, described as being scrawny, scruffy, an angular face. He's if, a he's a skinny dude from the pictures I've seen, and it, he doesn't look like a tough guy detective. They and had, he didn't really play Johnny Dollar as a tough guy detective, that, which is kind yeah. of why I like him. Yeah. So one yeah. of the things, so so Jack Johnstone comes in in '55. Bob Bailey comes on as as Johnny Dollar. Now Bob Bailey was the was the sixth. Bob Johnny Bailey Dollar. is our doctor. That's yeah. Just, Bob Bailey is the Tom Baker of of Johnny Dollars. Yeah. He okay. is he is the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he comes on and between Johnstone's production values mm-hmm. and his writing and the way Bob Bailey delivers a line. He's on the cusp of being a bad actor, which I really love. I think that uh, the Fireside Theater lampooned him with Nick Danger. And we'll play that clip in a little right. bit. Yeah, but, but the thing is, Bob Bailey will, and I don't know if I can do it because I've got a little bit of a sore throat today, you can do but it. Bob Bailey will hit the last line of a word. He'll stretch something out just a tiny bit longer than you should. (laughs) There's this little thing that I could just barely do, and I do it too long. But Bob Bailey was was masterful at almost being a Shatner. I mean, he was, and he was really fun to listen to. But if you really listen closely, he's on the cusp of being a little too melodramatic. But he never quite goes over too far. He's always a sympathetic actor. And I, I wonder if we did a uh, really good analytical study, if that was because he was stretching material for time. Or... <laughs> well, it's, it's so infinitesimal, I don't yeah. know if it could be. And until you it's mention... not like he's saying, well... Yeah, it's not a George Takei. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Right. Um, until you mentioned it to me, I never noticed it, but when you mentioned it to me and I was listening to the show... Well, I'm always listening to try to figure out how to do an impression of somebody, uh... and that's like... Uh, well, that's yeah. the Bob Bailey trait that you that you latch on to yep. is his tendency to hit things at the end of a word. That's the I am not a crook. Yeah. Of Bob right. Bailey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So before Bailey did this show, mm-hmm. he did another show which had some very similar attributes to Johnny Dollar. He mm-hmm. did a show called Let George Do It. And I've only heard one episode of this because it was on your um, one of your automated podcasts. Yes, yes, it and is. So far, I've only heard one episode of it, and it, it's okay. It, it's it, it's funny because, like Johnny Dollar, it started out as a different show. Mm-hmm. It, Let George Do It was almost a comedy mm-hmm. noir 
type of thing. Yeah, it's much lighter. It's almost a thin man type of situation. Like he and is is it his secretary? Because yeah. I've only listened to one. It's the girl. It's so the it's secretary slash love interest, yep. kind of sorta. Yeah, one of those types of deals. Yep. And the, the two it, of them play off of each other pretty well. It's not brilliant no it's, but it's, it's but it's okay it's so, enjoyable so yeah but it was so unbrilliant that they actually after a couple episodes got rid of the comedy parts of it oh and, did they? and made, okay. yeah it became it became more of a detective show okay if you got the job for me call me george yeah. valentine his yeah. name was george valentine on right. show. okay but it was again a show that started out as something and turned into something else right okay so here we are 1955 october john stone bailey they get johnny dollar they play them, and they decide what we're going to do with it is tell a better story. And yeah. the only way they can think to do that is to make the stories longer. And the only way they can do that was to split it up and and have it be five five nights a week and a fifteen minute show. Yep. So which is a which is really interesting to me because most of the shows that were fifteen minutes long in those days were either comedy. Or they were like little music programs, yeah. little filler things. Yep. And Johnny Dollars, the, there may be a couple of others, but I think it's the only drama in that era. Can you think of another one? You have to go back to the 30s, to okay. things like Speed Gibson and the kids shows. Yeah, well, serials like yeah. that. But Johnny Dollar would tell one story a week. over a week. Yep. And it was produced and directed by Jack, Jack Johnstone. Johnstone. And the idea was that you would have 75 minutes or 70 minutes with average. Well, they didn't right. have advertising, which was another weird thing about Johnny Dollar. Yeah. Johnny Dollar was one of those few shows that did not have an ad break in right. the show and didn't have a sponsor on the show. Right. That came before and after the show. And that right. they did not get some insurance company to be there in game which is in, in, yeah. in, in show sponsor. Like the Johnson Wax people in Fibber McGee is mm -hmm. just a crime. They should have had. You I know, suppose so, but it gave them a little more leeway to have insurance companies be mostly good and occasionally not so... Most of the time, the insurance companies are okay. The other thing Sometimes is it might be pushing. difficult. If you were an insurance company, you might not want to sponsor it, and I'll tell you why. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you've got Johnny Dollar, and while he denies doing this, he's largely going places to investigate whether or not someone deserves to get paid an insurance premium. So, uh, yeah. To get paid yeah. their insurance... Um, Dividend. Here, here's yeah. how to make sure that when an insurance investigator comes, you can get around all his questioning because we're going to show you what they're going to ask you. So, okay. So, but one of the cool things about Johnny Dollar is when they, when Johnstone took over, they actually went and researched how much would it cost to fly from this point to this point. Oh. How much does coffee cost in this city? So the, so how the, much do drinks cost? It. I've you know, often wondered about that because it seems like it's a very interesting marker of like how much a pack of cigarettes cost in the 1950s and how much it cost to take a taxi across a small town it is anthropologically correct yeah you can you can go back and go do a study of prices over that five-year run and see and it's how it's much an airfare change in those five years and it, it just reminded me of something and we'll get back to the topic in a second but there's an episode where johnny is in the hospital he's i don't know why he's been hit on the head or something oh, yeah. and at one point, he bribes a nurse to go down to the lobby and buy him a pack of cigarettes, which I think is one of the most brilliant things because uh, you can't even smoke anymore on anything. But not yeah. only did he do that, but he, he got a nurse to go down and get him cigarettes. So, yep. Okay, anyway, back to the topic. <laughs> These beautiful 75-minute-a-week stories unfolded. Mm -hmm. 
and they had a chance to tell complex stories with more fleshed out characters. Mm-hmm. They they had, were, they, the, one nice thing is they had a chance to let Johnny Dollar run into a few dead ends from time to time. They had Johnny Dollar not only run into dead and ends. And it didn't feel when, like filler. It, no, it felt it, like, okay, this is how an investigation goes. You go over here and you go, that's ah, not working out. There's a case where there's a missing, uh, missing business person mm-hmm. and the father doesn't want him found. Right. And he's every for the first three episodes. I think I just listened to that one. Yes. Yeah, it was just on the podcast feed mm-hmm. recently. For the first three episodes, it ends with him being like, "I don't know what the heck's going on here. Right. I'm going to get to the bottom of this next right. time." On so finally they get to it, but it unfolds about what happened. By the time you get to the end of the story, it's like there was a nice path there. Yeah, there was a complex little twisty path, mm-hmm. which in 20 minutes or 25 minutes with you know a commercial. There's, break, there, yeah, there's no way you can tell that story in a, in a conventional uh, half hour uh, radio show. Yeah. So this ran for 13 months. Mm-hmm. So for 13 months we got weekly beautiful 70 minute stories, 75 minute stories. Yeah, slightly over a year of the period when everyone says Johnny Dollar is one of the best radio shows yep. of all time. But. And you had a bunch of different writers coming in. That was the other thing about this era of Johnny Dollar is you had writers coming in who weren't traditional detective writers. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the old guys who wrote for Philo Vance or Box 13 or any of these other shows. Right. You had people coming in like Blake Edwards wrote oh, okay. an episode. Um, Jack Johnstone wrote it a bunch. It seems to me they were telling stories that were based on um, some human failing or factor as opposed to just a story where it's a muddled mess and the guy has to beat up a guy in order to get information. And yeah. the detectives that I think was Gerald Moore would, when he played Philip yeah. Marlowe, he was always, and he just beat the hell out of somebody yep. for really no good reason. And Johnny Dollar never does that. Johnny Dollar might well, be intimidating and threatening, yeah. but he usually only takes a swing. If he's swung out, he usually only does it if there's, if he's really ticked off because something's, already happened to him and again this goes like this goes back and I hate to do it again but it goes back to like Doctor Who Mm -hmm. where there have been doctors who were very physical Mm -hmm. and would beat people up the third doctor would beat the crap Mm -hmm. out of people and then other doctors are kind of like oh no 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 we do not do violence that is not right and Bob Bailey's Johnny Dollar used a gun only when he had to um, it's not even a point of him carrying a gun I don't know I, it, it may be offered to him from time to time, or, or somebody like a cop might say, "Have you got a gun?" And Johnny will say, "Yes." Yeah, but it's, but it's, 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 it's never it's, it's never a first resort. For it's him. the exception, not the rule. Exactly. And and the hitting was the exception, not the rule. Right. He would be much happier taking the villain out for drinks and talking to him and seeing what's happening. He would yeah. he would go to the bar where the mobsters were and, yeah. and talk to them rather than just, let's go get them, boys. And, yeah, he's and, a, a little bit like Columbo in that regard because he's in there with the villain talking yep. with him the whole time. Um, the only difference is he's got to figure out who done it or what happened, whereas yeah. the audience already knows. Anyway, let's not go off on our other obsession. Go ahead. So, so much did other people, not traditional detective writers get into writing the scripts mm-hmm. Bob Bailey wrote one of, and they gave him one of the Christmas scripts because I remember that and it's yeah. a little bit it's a little bit hokey but December 22nd 1957 mm-hmm. so if you're listening to the Johnny Dollar podcast in December on December 22nd <laughs> right mark it on your calendar boys yeah. you will hear the the we'll uh, have a little Johnny Dollar advent calendar the for Carmen you. the Carmen Kringle matter and yeah, it, and yeah, he wrote it under the pen name of Robert Banter. And I seem to remember it had, um, it had kind of a sweet ending. It is a holiday 
for all of us. Yes. It is the gift of giving. It is the love of the season. It wasn't bad. I mean, it you know, let's let's not let's not dump on it too much. It was no. okay. No, it was good, but it was definitely a season. It was it was definitely the Christmas. It was episode. a heartwarming episode. Yes. Okay. So during this time as well, um, Roy Rowan, who people will also know from the I Love Lucy show, mm-hmm. was the announcer. Roy Rowan talking. Roy Rowan yeah. speaking. He had a great. Yes. He had a great voice. Yeah. After the 13 months of, of beautiful 15-minuteers, it goes back to once a week, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So the stories get a little clipped again, but they're still not going back and it's to still, the it's still stuff. Bob Bailey at this point. There's yeah. there's a period when he's doing uh, the half-hour shows again. But it's still the humanism. It's still yeah. the humanistic mm-hmm. Johnny Dollar. Yeah. It's not back to the thug Johnny Dollar. Yeah, he's a little bit... He's kind of empathetic uh, to uh, the villains of the piece sometimes. You yeah. know, he's he's... Again, it's about human failing, and it's not necessarily about like uh, cliched crime lords or you know, yeah. bad guys. So it was definitely it was definitely a much richer piece right. because of that. Mm-hmm. But at the time this was happening, our friend TV was happening, right? And our friend Mister Budget was not happening on radio anymore. Right. If if the entertainment companies had money to be placed somewhere. They were putting it on TV where there was steady advertisement, right. there was buzz, there was hype. Mm-hmm. They started consolidating studios. They started moving things around. Um, in 1960, for Johnny Dollar, CBS Radio shut down production on the West Coast, mm-hmm. which is where Johnny Dollar had been since the beginning. Right. And it moved its radio drama unit to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, the two things that made... Johnny Dollar, different in 1955, Bob Bailey and Jack Johnstone, both of those forces decided, nope, we're not moving. They're not moving. They're not okay. moving. So, so they still had a popular radio show. The CBS still had a show that it wanted to do. They just, the, the star and the head writer and director were gone. Yep. And at this time, too, they were trying to figure out a way to transfer it over to TV like they had been doing with Gunsmoke and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, even failed things like for Mickey and Molly. Johnny and Dollar would have been a great TV show. They, I've always thought that Johnny Dollar felt like it existed in the same universe as Perry Mason. Yeah. Like that that yeah. kind of like straightforward investigating. It's a it's a it's really Johnny Dollar's a real blue collar kind of but you, worker. But unfortunately but, all the leading men types at that point were the Lee Marvins were the, you know, Jack. Oh, well, Black. of I course, mean, they got James Arness to play um, Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke, Gunsmoke yeah, yeah. which was, you know, sure, he's physically right for the part. Sure, he looks like a like a nine-foot-tall John Wayne. Yeah. Sure, yeah, he's carved out of granite, but he wasn't really much of an actor. And they didn't bring Floyd the Barber over. Yeah, so right. <laughs> we'll get to that soon. Yeah, but, right. But so they tried two failed attempts. They won with Bob Bailey and I think one with um, the next fellow. Okay, I have no idea they did TV. Do those exist? Can we watch those? Those don't exist. I cannot find hide nor hair of them. There is a resource. They were just pilots, you think? They were just pilots. They were just tests. The Bob Bailey one just never panned out. No one took him for a TV. They just, no, they never bought him as a TV Hero. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he was too skinny. Yeah, he was way too skinny. Mm-hmm. So, basically, West Coast shuts down. Bob, mm-hmm. ba- um, the whole production team moves over to New York, minus Bob Bailey, minus Jack Johnstone. But Jack Johnstone still stayed and wrote for the show. 
He okay. just he actually mailed his scripts in <laughs> to he New was, York. Yeah, he was mailing it in, and they couldn't get in those days. They couldn't have uh, Bob Bailey phone his performance in. So now, sadly, Bob Bailey, when he left Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar left the building, and Bob Bailey left the building. He had a long-running history of alcoholism, Mm -hmm. as a lot of people did back then. And you can kind of occasionally, on a show, you can hear him slightly flubbing lines, and you think, is he a little... Did he have a few before (laughs) the show? It's not terrible, because he he picks it back up again. But every once in a while, it was definitely a show that sounded like it was done in one or two takes. But he could not really get a lot of work in radio, for whatever reason. I think it was mostly him not wanting to do radio. He felt betrayed. So he tried to do television stuff, because Mm -hmm. that's what was on the West Coast. So he did a bunch of bit parts in great one-season shows called like M-Squad, Asphalt Jungle, um, 87th Precinct, Precinct, um, yeah. Precinct, yeah. He actually was, was in a show. So that was the Ed McMahon story. Yes, yes okay. which is a tie-in to something we'll always tie every show into. Yeah, we always tie Columbo. it into Columbo. Yeah, because there's an episode of Columbo I can't remember the name of that actually is just an Ed McMahon story rewritten for Columbo. Yep. It's just an 87th Precinct story. And at, anyway. at one point, Bob Bailey is in a bit part in a TV show called <clears throat> The Investigators. Which and is about... This is a show... It's a group of investigators who are working for a large insurance company, right? Doing insurance fraud here cases. You ha- here you have the greatest freelance insurance investigator and the actor who played him, and that—that's just gone. So, okay. The very last thing Bob Bailey is credited for mm-hmm. is an uncredited scene in *Birdman of Alcatraz*, where he plays a reporter on the docks. No lines, no credit. End of career. That yeah. He spends many years cut off from his family, alcoholism, mm-hmm. very bad scene. Toward the end of his life, he gets it back together. He, he contacts his daughter. He builds up his family connections. He did a lot of outreach work. And then okay. he died of a heart attack in 1983. Oh. And he died happier than he was when he left Johnny Dollar. Yeah. But let's just say he had in his life a very definitive moment that was his apex. He, he had, yes, yes, he had the roller coaster crest that was very brief with Johnny Dollar and then the downward. And then it was yeah. I have to live the rest of my life. It was a bunch of screaming after that, yeah. So. So, so we have 1960s Johnny Dollar being done in New York mm-hmm. and the two actors at this point were Bob Reddick and Mandel Kramer. And so now, how many doc? How many doctors have we had now? How many? We've, so this we've had this is um, Johnny um, Bob Bailey was the sixth okay. doctor. So um, seventh is Bob seventh Reddick. is Rob Reddick, and eighth, eighth is, is Mandel, Mandel Kramer. Kramer. So we've had eight people play this part. So Mandel Kramer is the Sylvester McCoy of doctors. <laughs> He's the last doctor. To play it. We're not getting into Paul McGann or the new guys. Cause okay. Yeah. Okay. It hasn't been rebooted yet. All right. So, Bob Reddick and Mandel Kramer are both the same type of guys. They're accomplished radio actors. In mm-hmm. fact, in New York, there is a pool of actors known as the CBS, um, CBS Workshop. Right. And they are basically doing soap operas and westerns and whatever is left to do on radio. Right. There's 20 or 30 people doing when you everything. Listen, when you listen to that era, you will hear the same The same the voices. Same people. Yeah. Now, I don't even think it's that bad in like the 30s 
they had a yeah, bigger pool of much people in the pool. 30s. And it seems like when you listen to almost any radio show. In the 60s. In the, in the late 50s and yeah. into the 60s, you're getting the same uh, 10 guys and three gals. Harvey Bartell. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of them. And as they're, as radio is waning, TV is picking up the, the yeah. players. Right. and. Reddick and Kramer, they do a good job. It's a solid thing. It's a 30-minute show. Mm-hmm. The shows start getting more referential. They start mentioning that Johnny Dollar is a radio show character. So yeah, people, yeah, in that way that Marvel Comics used to mention, the kids would come up to Ben Grimm and say, I saw you in the Fantastic Four comic book. Yeah, exactly. And you'd go, but wait, we're in the Fantastic Four comic book. So The new movie Logan has yeah. a part where basically it's Logan reading the X-Men comics. So <laughs> it's it's like, yeah. yeah as if, the, yeah. Within, asking, within the fictional piece? universe, yes, right, okay. So at one point it gets so self-referential that Jack Johnstone's brother... Fred Johnstone is a character in one of the episodes. He has a warehouse of farming equipment that gets and is broken it into. Played by it's Fred. No, it's not. I don't. It's just he I, gives him the name Fred Johnstone just as a nod to his brother. Hey, Johnny, you know Jack Johnstone. He's the writer for your radio show. Well, his brother has a problem down in Florida, and he has to go to Florida and everything. Oh. And by that time, it's like seedy Florida. It's not glamorous Havana, Florida. It's you know. Um, a Spanish security guard gets shot. I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed that they went to that level of self-referential stuff. Eventually, all writers start writing about writing. And eventually, all radio shows start doing radio shows about radio shows, and all TV shows start doing TV shows about TV production. All the... the Musicals of the 1930s are about putting on musicals. They're not. Yep. They have no oh. other plot except putting on a musical. I have a curtain. So, I have a stage. Yeah. Put on. So but, so bad did it get with Johnny Dollar that Jack Johnstone started rehashing scripts, and the Gunsmoke did this as well. Uh, uh, other radio shows did it. Gunsmoke reused scripts. Yeah. So, but Johnny Dollar, because by the end of the run, and we'll get to this in one moment, but toward the end of the run, the money was gone. Right. I mean, they were using musical cues from TV shows. Mm-hmm. There were sponsors all the time. The opening even sounds like it's using the same tape loop of the phone ringing from right. 10 years before. Right. It The show has worn itself thin. Right. So it kind of fizzles at that point. When's the, when it, is the it final fizzles. The episode? final, final episode mm-hmm. of Johnny Dollar, which is the final episode of a drama on radio, this is considered the the last and in day the, in of radio. the world of of old time radio. This fans, is the this, this is, is the end. This is My the end friend. of old time radio. <laughs> yes, this is the demarcation line where it stops, and that is with Johnny Dollar. And when was that? This is September thirtieth, nineteen sixty two, and we're going to play the clip right now. You're going to hear the last words of Johnny Dollar. I'd heard of such things, but never before quite believed them possible. But so help me, when I picked myself up on the edge of the wreckage of that cottage, most of my clothes were blown completely off. And yet by some miracle, I suffered no more than a couple of bruises and a slight headache. As for Danny, well, let's not go into that. He's paid for all his crimes. Expense account total, $349.40. And uh, don't forget my commission in spite of the fact that a lot of bits and pieces of that money had to be pasted back together. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. So, right after that was an episode of Suspense, and that was it. Old-time radio, kaput. 
was done. It was done. The only thing that really carried on was, in fact, on CBS, and that was the CBS Mystery Theater, which ran, which was a really weird anomaly. Yes, it, that was, um, who did the voice for that? Um, E.G. Marshall. Yeah. I'm E.G. Marshall. Yeah. yeah, that ran. At the same time, there were little things like Chicken Man that were running on syndication. Yeah, well, goofy little Yeah, goofy things, little things. Yeah. Um, and then there were one-off things like the NPR did the Star Wars radio plays. and Right, and of course BBC had, has well, had it the whole time. The, the BBC but that's a, never, that's a whole separate... That's a whole, that's a whole BBC separate. never stopped. There was no death of radio for but the British. But the end was September 30th, 1962. So. But he didn't die. Johnny Dollar would not go quietly into that good night. Uh-huh. To this very day, Johnny Dollar gets props. In fact, on a recent episode of Samantha Bee's full frontal political comedy show, mm-hmm. she did a whole thing about, well, this hasn't happened since we had an, uh, an investigator with an action-packed expense account. And they wow, showed a picture she, of she Bob Bailey on screen. Like, who's going to get that I'll, joke I'll but you a, and me? I'll try to find a screen cap of it, but when I saw it on YouTube the next morning, I'm like... Thank you. Following his feast, CNN whisked us back to the good old days of radio with a crackly broadcast of lawyers arguing the travel ban case, which turned out to be the most riveting audio drama since yours truly, Johnny Dollar, the adventures of a man with an action-packed expense account. Honestly, I have always wished to live in a country where people listened to and live-tweeted important court cases about civil liberties. I just... Shouldn't have wished it on that monkey's paw. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's very, thank you so much. I'm wow. so cool. Yeah, I geeked out like a little, I geeked uh, out like a boy on Christmas. It was great. Um, fellow CBS players, uh, Bob and Ray, mm-hmm. had a character called Ace Willoughby, international detective. <laughs> Time now to join Ace Willoughby, international detective, as he involves himself in the Marrakech Affair. Well, I never thought I'd be in Marrakech again. It's hot here. They call Marrakech the blast furnace of the Far East. But I knew I'd find what I wanted here in the marketplace. American. American Willoughby, over here. You appear to be a Bedouin, my good man. I have but to drop my bernus a bit. You will see it is your old friend, Lieutenant Dautier of the Algiers Police. Well, it is you, Dautier, but I thought... This old French policeman is one tough man to kill. Willoughby, we're being watched. Pretend you're buying something from me. All right, Dautier. Uh, Arab, how much for those string of beads, the ones with the different colors? Now, listen closely. Here are some papers. You'll be known as Pepe Perdue, first mate on the Lisbon Queen. Uh, that's too much for just beads. How much is that miniature bronze camel with the wristwatch on its neck? Now stop shouting, American. You people who are watching have left. And then in the 1970s and 80s, the comedy troupe Fireside Theater. Yes. Released a number. I, of... I noticed this right away when I started listening to Johnny Dollar, that yeah. it was, that it was... Nick Danger. Well, Nick Danger. In a lot of respects. There's a lot of Nick Danger that's other, it's a pastiche of a a lot of the hard-boiled stuff. Mm -hmm. But Johnny Dollar is like, we'll play this little clip. You'll hear the phone. I remember reading Phil Austin said he's a really big fan of bad actors. And the whole thing with Nick Danger was he's playing the, he's really playing two parts. He's playing Nick Danger. Yep. 
and he's playing a bad actor playing Nick, Nick Danger. Danger. So here we go. Groping for the door, he steps inside, climbs the 13 steps to his office. He walks in. He's ready for mystery. He's ready for excitement. He's ready for anything. He's... Nick Danger, third eye. Uh, I want to order a, a pizza to go and no anchovies. No anchovies? You've got the wrong man. I spell my name, Danger. What? The makers of fantastic cigarettes, long in the leaf and short in the can, bring you another true story from the tattered case book of Nick Danger, third eye. Let's join him now in the adventure we call... Cut him off at the past! The other audio bit that uh, the other bit of radio that happens after the fact, I could not find any samples of. In the 1960s and 70s, Radio Iran had a Iranian Johnny Dollar. Holy cow! Uh, in the role well, of Johnny I've Dollar. I've always said that this is a great premise for a show, and I can totally see someone else picking it up somewhere else and running with it. I mean, I'm sure there are insurance investigators well, in England and in in India and everywhere, but wow. Yeah, Darcy Remy uh, was a popular radio performer who did, did this role of Johnny Dollar. Unlike the original Johnny Dollar, it was it was more of a criminal investigator. And the big hook was at the end of each episode, the narrator asked the radio audience <laughs> how Johnny Dollar did the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it made it like a mystery quiz show. That's a really interesting As well as premise, a drama. Yeah. And, and then if you guessed correctly, you were entered into a raffle for a prize. How crazy! And is that? I, I looked everywhere. If anyone has any audio from this, please, 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 get a hold of us. We'll tell you. I've how always been really show. curious about about uh, old time radio in other countries. I've I've wondered if there's a French tradition of like old time radio and stuff. Johnny Dalla, yeah. <laughs> Bonjour, <laughs> whiskey right. sour. Johnny Frank. The yeah. the two other big instances of Johnny Dollar in popular media is there was a series of independent comic book. Actually, it was one or two comic books by uh, Moonstone Books, and they're an indie comic. Um, Mm -hmm. And they specialize in taking old titles and making new comic books. So there was a Johnny Dollar story arc in comic book form. Okay. And then, um, on top of all that, as I was researching for this podcast, uh, a fellow by the name of Don Cleese is working on a documentary about Johnny Dollar, and it's called The Real Johnny Dollar Matter. You can actually see a 40-minute rough draft of it and he goes into some detail. He actually talks to, he has tape of Jack Johnstone. He has tape of Bob Bailey's daughter talking about oh, okay. his later years and his early years. The, the URL, the URL for it will be on our show notes. Yeah, we'll show put notes. that in the show notes, definitely. Definitely, if you want to know more about Johnny Dollar, this is the place to go. He's still working on it. He's still looking for funding for it. So if you like Johnny Dollar, definitely head up there. It's, it's a... And if you've never heard it before, you really should dig into it, and particularly the Bob Bailey era. It's a treat. Yeah, really and that—that that is Johnny Dollar. That's Johnny Dollar. That's Johnny Dollar. Did you have you had something? Because we were going to do a regular feature of gems from the archive. Yes. And you had you found something that I'd never heard of before. Uh, tell me about this one that you just picked out. So real quickly, this is um, I found this a year or two ago, and I actually uploaded them onto archive.org so they're there for everyone to get. Back in the 1950s, American radio was looking for ways to justify itself because in the 50s... Legitimize itself, yeah. yeah. Not just legitimize, but justify. They Mm -hmm. were looking for how do we keep radio alive? Mm -hmm. And one of the promises of radio was it was going to be educational. Right. In fact, when TV first started getting big, 
part of the charter of getting a TV station was that you would have a certain part be educational. A certain amount of educational yeah. within that. So this was an early attempt to bring more educational matter to radio. Mm-hmm. And so this became part of my information podcast. Okay. What's, and this what is, is the show? Um, they did a deal. ABC Radio did a deal with the BBC. Okay. And they got Bertram Russell. Wow. Wise old man Bertram Russell, yes. who at this time is a wise old man looking back on his life, mm-hmm. coming to grips with living in an atomic age. And in fact, it's called Living in an Atomic Age. And it's a series of, um, I think it's six or seven lectures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is basically how we can sanely and rationally live with atomic power and the threat of atomic weapons. Wow. And it's Bertram Russell talking on how we can coexist with the atom in the middle of the atom craze. Yeah. And it is it is amazing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Have, have any of them turned up in the automated feed yet? Yes. Anyway, we'll put the, the links in the show notes so that you can hear it. Yeah. Okay. And that's my so, gem from the archives. All right. And you – well, that brings us over to the to the daily podcasts and how they work. We, we mention this every episode, but Tom – has more podcasts than you. Tom creates more podcasts, the hardest working man in podcasting. Or the least hard or the, man. Or the laziest man in podcasting. The hardest working bash script in podcasting. Yes, right. So you've got these podcasts and they go back and look at this date in history yep. and they pull uh, an episode uh, related to the theme of the podcast for that date for in that history. Date, yeah. And so, how many? What have you got? We've got the we have, information podcast. Inf- information podcast. We have Johnny Dollar, which is all the Johnny John, Dollar there runs. There is a specifically Johnny Dollar. Fred McGee and Molly. Right. Greg Gildersleeve. Right. Uh, we have noir detective shows. Right. We have kids shows, so a right. whole bunch of serialized. We have stuff. the westerns. We which have we're westerns. Get to Gunsmoke. We have uh, detectives. Mm-hmm. We have serial fiction, which is kind of a loose term for things like. Dimension X, Playhouse Five, kind of radio dramas. Okay. Um, we have that's an anthology, right? That's, that's an anthology. An antholo- yeah. Okay. We have a music uh, music show. One. Okay, and so that's a lot of nineteen forties, nineteen forties jazz um, swing stuff. Swing and the beginning of rock and roll. We got Alan Freed's rock and roll okay. show. We also have news uh, news podcast with the news of the day. Mm-hmm. And comedy stuff, British right. comedy stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. Another podcast just for British stuff because mm-hmm. Dan likes his British stuff. So I, <laughs> I, he wants them, I make them. That's how, that's how we Yeah, I come up with these nutty ideas and Tom goes, oh, yeah, I can make a podcast out of that. And a few days later, what do I know? There's a podcast <laughs> of, of something else I want to listen to. So to get to all of these, and mm-hmm. if you want to listen to Johnny Dollar, just jump on in. Mm-hmm. Every day you'll get some new episodes of Johnny Dollar. You can go to tomwsmf.com. Right. And all those, all those podcast pieces. In the show notes, right. yeah. Okay. So what are, we've got uh, Twitter and email now, too. We've we got fancy, and we got well, our own uh, URL for... Okay. We have Twitter, which mm-hmm. is at our show of shows. We have email, which mm-hmm. is either Tom or Dan at our show of shows.com. Right. And we will take suggestions, certainly. So we are also on Facebook. If you look for our show of shows, there's a Facebook page. I bit the bullet, went back on Facebook because that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are on Facebook. You can find us there. All right. And we're we're thinking about doing a Patreon, but we haven't started that yet. What we want to do with Patreon is we want to donate a portion of it back to archive.org because it's such a great source of stuff. It has been the single greatest thing for old-time radio show 
Yeah, collecting. if you if you just want to hear an old time radio show, you don't have to have a whole bunch of reel to reel tapes. You know, <laughs> and they host it all. It's all up on their server. Yeah, and um, it's not just that. I mean, there's plenty of other great stuff on archive.org. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk at length about that some other time. But all right, well, is that it? We we've, we've wound up an episode in a mere forty six minutes, Tom. I, well, well, it'll be longer than that. Yeah, it'll be clips, longer when we put but, some yeah. clips in. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back before you know it with another episode where we're going to discuss gun smoke. But until. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> and the man who moved with the violence. All right, but until then, I'm Dan Howland, and I need a better tagline. Expense account total, hold your hat. It's $2,561 even. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Constipation is something people don't talk about much but it can be a problem for anyone, even doctors. And when constipation occurs, it's interesting to see just what doctors consider important about a laxative they might use or recommend. While a majority of the doctors we heard from had this to say. A laxative should be effective, gentle, close to natural acting. A medicine that can be used with complete confidence. Now, Exlax has been popular with many doctors and millions of people over the years because pleasant-tasting chocolated Exlax is effective. Overnight, it helps you toward your normal regularity. Exlax is so gentle, so close to natural acting, there's no upset. That's why many doctors and millions of people use Exlax with complete confidence. Exlax, the laxative that helps you toward your normal regularity gently, overnight. Star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a story of real intrigue, plus a couple of the most intriguing characters I ever met. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, G. Stanley Jones, Ben Wright, Ralph Moody, Harry Bartell, and Carlton G. Young. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is John Wall speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. You're tuned to Radio 590 WROW in Albany, New York.